0: listening to Death of the Reader Undead, Flex and Herds here for your murder mystery detour.
1: We're joined by our editor, Cameron Furlong, and Max Mahood from Friday Drive joins us on the phones and moderating our YouTube live chat. Good to be here,
2: gents. Thank you for letting me out of the dark cupboard you lock me in to edit your shows <laughs> oh and putting me in front of the microphone. I haven't been unstrapped from my uh, my my re- my trolley yet, so I'm still uh, <laughs> wrapped up like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the
1: Lambs. That's terrifying. It's a good thing I'm a a horror buff, so this doesn't really phase me. If you're new here, your murder mystery detour is our chance to shine a spotlight on some of the crime fiction we get to enjoy through the year that we can't quite squeeze onto the main show. If you've got any awesome
0: reads, new or old, that you want to share with us, call in on 9514-9500 or pop it in the YouTube chat. Shout out to Max.
2: In Woo. just a second, we'll be speaking to Brighton Cloverdale uh, Coverdale, the recent winner of the Australian Crime Writers Association, about his win
1: of the Louis Award for the Fast Fiction Crime Writing. We'll also be speaking with local legend Danuka McKenzie about her latest detective Kate Miles' story, Tipping Point.
0: And uh, John Chang has a chat with Robert Connolly about the recently released film adaptation of Jane Harper's Force of Nature.
2: But dry too! Somehow, it's wet! And we'll also be having a brief overview of what's coming up in crime fiction and our thoughts on Sophie Hannah's murder mystery musical, The Mystery of Mr. E.
0: I'm so sorry. You should
2: be. Yeah, you should be. Oh dear. <laughs>
0: So, first up, each year the Australian Crime Writers Association runs a competition to find the best in super, super short crime fiction with the Louis Award. This year's theme was Artificial Intelligence, which had entrants approaching the themes of revenge and control, with crimes from fraud to assassination.
2: The top prize was taken out by Bryden Coverdale, best known as one of the chasers on The Chase Australia with his story Good Old Collingwood Forever. Bryden, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Welcome to Death of
1: the Reader. So, Bryden, the prompt for this year's Louis Award was artificial intelligence. What made you think Collingwood and F.J. Holden? Well, I think
3: what I, what I thought when I saw the topic was artificial intelligence was this could go in all sorts of different directions. This, this could go in more of a sci-fi kind of direction, but I was very conscious of trying to retain it as a crime story with you know, the AI being present and important, but it's still a, a crime genre story with human motives and human mistakes and, and all of that sort of thing. So um I guess I just wanted to have the AI not be too dominant of a part of the story.
0: Yeah, I did really like that when you get to the end, the story wasn't really about AI at all unless you knew the prompt was there. I thought that was a really fun way to integrate it. I,
3: I guess it's the same thing that attracts me as a reader and I've been reading crime fiction for a long long time and what I love about being a reader of crime fiction is the, uh, the you know the, the puzzle element I guess there's there's always something to drive forward the narrative I mean I like a whole different range of genres within crime fiction the license that I guess Crime fiction gives you too realistic, but heightened, I guess, Um, and and to just just play with events that probably wouldn't happen in real life, but you know, you you kind of know could happen. So it, it, Mm. it, I'm still as a as a as a writer of this. I'm I'm a journalist um, by profession from way back. So most of my writing has been nonfiction, and so
2: I'm still playing around with writing fiction and 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 learning about it. So as well as your career in journalism, you've written a nonfiction book before. Do you think that tackling the full length process helps you adapt to fiction as well
3: look it probably will as i get further down the track with with writing a crime novel i mean i've 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 started it i've got some of it written it's that i think writing any sort of book uh you know the 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 first book that i wrote was called the quiz masters it's about the world of quizzing and game shows and all of that so it's very very different to anything that um i'm looking at with a novel but I, i think the discipline of it is still quite similar of knowing you know i've got 300, however many pages to write here I need to sit down and get it done. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's that certainly will help with, um, with doing a, a, a crime novel. And I think really what helped me with the short story, the 500 word story, was the background in journalism of having a, a word limit. You know, you you, yeah. you might have a word limit of five or 600 words and you go, wow, there's a lot of information to squeeze in here. How am I going to do that? As a journalist, and so I think that helped with uh, with this story.
1: Yeah, referring to the quiz masters and your reputation from the Chase. Uh, does a handle on trivia help you put together a good crime novel?
3: It's certainly not essential by any means, but I don't think it can hurt. <laughs> um, I think it's it's having a handle on facts, isn't it? And um, and you know there was there was a bit of I guess random random trivia in in the Louis Award entry as well, just you know little bits of australian history mentioned and um i don't know i think i i think it might help with sort of dr- drawing in certain little story elements that just add a bit of a bit of color or whatever to it but certainly not essential but hey look it's worked for richard osmond uh he's uh he's done extremely <laughs> extremely well going from uh, a background in producing and and you know being on quiz shows and things to uh to crime writing but uh it's not a path that um many people are likely to take,
2: I'd say uh, returning to your novel, do you have a scope or core question uh, are you trying to tackle with your novel uh, how is the process going? look, I've got a um I've got all in mind you know a, a a title a
3: beginning the the end the 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 sort of the guts of the middle it's just getting it all down on page um look without going into uh too much detail um yeah because there's not enough you know crime knowledge set in small <laughs> australian country towns so i thought mm-hmm. i'd do another one um, but look that's the that's the world that i grew up in i grew up in the country on a a, a farm uh, lived lived in a small town until i was 18 and so that's the world that i grew up in and i i like the intimate nature of those those small towns where it sort of feels like everyone knows everyone but not necessarily true and you certainly don't know everyone's backstory and what's going on inside their minds um so look that's the that's the general gist of the of the setting um and i'm just having a lot of fun with with playing around with fiction for the first time
0: yeah. The thing that really stood out to me with good old Collingwood Forever was the way that you were able to top and tail a mystery kind of tightly within the narrative arc of what is this character's deal up to a final punch? And it kind of makes me super excited to see your work reach us at a novel length. Huge congratulations, Bryden, to you on winning the Louis Award. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was
3: it was quite a surprise. I entered last year as well and nothing came of it. I think it's it's one of those things you learn as you go. I think I learned from that first entry that Maybe I, you know, foreshadowed things a bit too much. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning with with everything I do with writing, and um, certainly don't expect to get everything right <laughs> straight away. But uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun, and I, I, I love the fact that this award exists.
0: Yeah, no, it's an it's an awesome part. Thank you so much for joining us on Death of the Reader, Brian. It's been fantastic having you. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, covered Coverdale, there talking about his Louis Award winning good old Collingwood Forever. Thank you to the Australian Crime Writers Association for putting us in touch. We'll have links for more on the competition up at 2scr.com.
0: There is such a thriving scene of Australian writers that we just have to have on our next guest. the Nuga Mackenzie, author of the Kate Miles detective series, beginning with The Torrent, covered uh, that book previously on Death of the Reader. It was one of our honourable recommendations for 2022. Was, two, was it? Two yeah. Years,
1: that's not that long ago. It was a fantastic <laughs> book. But, uh... Danuka's powered on uh, and coming out with a new novel, Tipping Point, not the Tipping Point. uh, Danuka, welcome to the show.
4: Hello. It's lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
1: So, Danuka,
0: here on Death of the Reader Undead, this evening celebrating the best in new and upcoming Australian crime fiction and all around the world. Wanted to ask: Is there anyone in the Australian community? Any books that you've been reading, or that you're excited to finally sneak their way onto your shelves? What What should we keep an eye out for if we're uh, if we're following the Danuka McKenzie reading list?
4: Well, actually, over summer, I actually did the whole thing of looked at my um, to be read pile and went, "Oh my god, it is just hideous." So I actually deliberately went and picked some stuff. Um, from the bottom of the pile, which has probably been sitting there for way too long. So I actually finally read um, B.M. Carroll's You Had It Come In, which was amazing. I absolutely loved that book, Um, really enjoyed it. Um, But in terms of like sort of brand new stuff that's coming out, I would say I um, listened to the audio version of um, Hannah Ritchell's her new one, um, the Search Party. So I think this is sort of, you know, she's like got into like a crime kind of thriller genre in 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 this her latest book, um, and it's really really good. I really enjoyed it. It's about um, a few, uh, three no three families who go glamping. Um, in the Cornwall coast,
1: specifically glamping. I hate that that's a word that's like proliferating now. That's a terrible <laughs> specifically word. Specifically yeah.
4: glamping. Yes, it's not <laughs> glamping. It is specifically glamping, <laughs> and 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 you know things start to happen, and it's really well done. It's like um, you know, you know, people who can do multiple povs, I, I you know, I pull mm-hmm. hats off to them. Um, she does that really, really well. And I just had the chance to read a audible original that's coming out um, shankari chandran has done an audible original and it's coming out 20 years maybe something like that um, and it's called unfinished business and it's an espionage kind of um you know thriller all about kind of statecraft and you know all the things um that happen during a war and all the behind the scenes maneuvering and moral compromises it is brilliant i loved it so that's um gonna come out uh yeah very shortly i think in a couple of weeks or something like that yeah
0: fantastic it seems it seems uh that you know the the more intense side of thrillers is starting to creep its way into your brain danuka
4: yes yes absolutely yes um i think you know i've always been sort of a fan of thrillers i mean i think like i've always kind of read detective fiction but i've always admired the kind of the proper sort of thrillers the people who can really pull that off and i, I think you know people like J.P. pomare and you know i mean obviously the classic sort of gone girl type um novels you know that they can really pull off that um you know rug from under the readers i've always admired that and never been quite able to pull it off uh but yeah so it's it's sort of um that's the dream to try and achieve that in my writing at some point
0: yeah we will have up on the podcast in uh a week or so, the full conversation we're going to have uh, about Tipping Point, your latest novel. So keep an eye out for that if you're listening. Thank you so much for joining us here on Death of the Reader. It's always a treat having you on and a massive congrats
2: on the release of Tipping Point. Thank
4: you so much. Thank you. I I love chatting to you guys. So thank you so much for having
2: me. Danuka McKenzie there talking about the newest Kate Miles detective novel, Tipping Point, sold at all reasonable Aussie bookstores. Thank you for joining us, Danuka. Whoop.
4: To a CR acknowledges the custodians of the Gadigal and Darug lands from which we broadcast.
2: Oh, one more thing. Gee,
0: I almost forgot what I came here to ask you. You're listening to Death of the Reader Undead. Your murder mystery detour. It's all about what new and exciting things there are in the world of crime and mystery fiction.
2: Yes, and uh, this week we watched... The Mystery of Mr. E. Yeah, this is oh, uh, Sophie Hannah's murder
0: mystery musical stage play that was uh, adapted into film at the end of last year by Martin
2: Tot. And uh, Cameron, you, you and I kind of led the charge on this one. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, so two uni dropouts working the gig economy take so long to solve a crime, the murderer had to kill a second person to make sure they catch him. <laughs> Ah. It's terrifying.
0: <laughs> I, I honestly, this is such an interesting pick for me because we really loved herds. We loved Sophie Hannah's *Silent Night*, which is a Poirot novel that we mm. covered at the end of last year. And I could definitely see Sophie Hannah's like hand in making larger than life in a really weird way characters, like the mother in *Um Silent Night*, who just commits crimes <laughs> to try character. and motivate yeah. Poirot to solve yeah. the story.
1: Now I need to be honest, I as has been implied there, I have not seen this film. I am not actually directly familiar with the plot, but I had seen basically the, the ending, it's some specific pieces. Look, I have a very <laughs> skewed perspective on this story. I'm excited to hear why I should get get involved in this one.
0: We'll we'll keep it spo- spoiler light here, but I think one of the really interesting things about the setup of this is that we have um
2: Mr. E show up at yes. the the, the, the Dane right. brothers' house. <laughs> And, I don't know how they can afford such a lovely detached property uh, on working as as generalists as they refer to themselves. I assume
0: that it's just in the middle of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> um, but the, the the really fun thing is, I thought like, oh yes, of course, Mister E is going to be like a pseudonym for mm. another character in the cast, and we're using the sort of meta narrative flow of a musical to try and. Uh, you know, have this metatextual thing where a character comes up and says that they did the crime, and we get to learn a little bit about them without actually seeing who they are. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I um, I I will admit the musical surprised me greatly because uh, the first thing I've written in my mo- in my notes is musical with an exclamation point. <laughs> I, I just started it, singing. Yeah. Oh my god, it's a musical. Yeah,
0: Sophie Hannah sent this one to us herself, and I didn't tell either of herds or Cam. Uh, that this actually had music in it and by the time I got around to watching it myself the first song started and I went oh yeah right of course <laughs> yeah
2: really i am um, i really to be fair i really enjoy the idea of um of the of the, the story revealing us the the actual murderer while not giving any information away way as, as to who they actually are and i and i was very Keen to explore this concept to its uh, to its conclusion uh, mm. upon watching it. So yeah, I, I think the idea of of actually you know doing that was quite interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean those sorts of stories where I mean as you've said, it's it's a who done it, it's a how done it, it's a why done it, but also that trope of kind of showing you who the killer is can still have merit. You know, sometimes you think you know what the solution is, but you're actually farther from the truth than you ever could have believed
0: yeah i mean and as g chan said in chat earlier you know the uh the musical numbers sort of give this aura that a mic is just a new form of torture just kind of more public (laughs) and that's that's sort of how the songs feel to Uh, some extent yeah
2: yeah look the cast is obviously a um a stage uh a stage cast uh with plenty of acting on, in in theater but uh, the camera presence is a little bit clunky mm. uh, and very 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 distracting it
1: looked very flat when I had a look at some of the some of the scenes and some of the shots which I mean it's in, an intentional directorial decision but it made me think I was watching like an ad or something which was very bizarre it was very out of body experience
0: yeah there definitely are a lot of like drone shots hovering over luxurious properties as you were alluding to earlier Cameron and it's like is this a very lengthy convoluted real estate commercial yeah,
2: yeah I feel like they want Quite me possibly. to buy a property in the Cotswolds and, and, and move down there I mean I do live in I work docked myself
1: better uh... <laughs> not yeah. I have to ask because look I need to know this This is a musical mm-hmm. do you guys have a favourite musical number
0: it's you Ah, uh, not to be as great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what's this one? What's this song
2: uh, the, uh, the the lead
0: the lead cop in the case, Cameron, you'll have to remind yes! me his
2: name. Uh, in, oh my goodness, I don't I haven't even written it down. It's it's uh, it's Inspector Is this uh, the something and then Wildersmith or something. Yeah, no no, no then there's, <laughs> and then it's Sergeant Wildersmith who's That's right with his
0: bumbling sidekick. But the the inspector on the case can't smell ah, of yes, course, when I've heard. when we introduce that as the concept, then we know that it's gonna come back to haunt us later.
2: Yes, it absolutely okay. does. Yeah, he he spends a, a whole a whole musical number, which I feel like is the longest in I think in, it is in, in the in, in the movie. Even though it's actually it felt telling like us it. telling us he about. hasn't
0: even arrived at the scene of the crime yet, and he's, he's just, already telling wait, us how he's going on, to fail.
1: Hold on, wait, he's telling how he's going to fail. He's not telling about how excited he is to solve the mystery. Well, he's, he's telling, telling you how. You how
0: well, he is telling you how excited he is, but <laughs> we, as the audience, know that because he can't smell. Of course, oh. smell is going to come oh, back. Yeah. It's going smell up to the is a very
2: important plot right. point in uh, in this story, yeah. uh, and and I really enjoyed his insistence on rhyming every line with denouement.
1: Oh, uh, well, that's yes. a good one, <laughs> denouement. <Yeah>. Um. <laughs> It's Please.
0: what it's one of the really interesting things about this murder mystery musical is that it is in so many ways has all of these little clever gems, but in the way that it appears as an ad and <laughs> the way that some of the characters bring their stage presence to the film, it doesn't quite land. Like if I was watching this in the mindset that it was an indie production that I was watching a bunch of people I knew which I sort of do through Sophie Hannah putting together yeah. something they really cared about I could love it yeah. but if you just went to watch it at random on Amazon you would be a little confused as to where your money had gone yes.
1: I mean it's, it's it was written as a school play right like yes. it was like High school, presumably? Well, I
0: think it was inspired by a high school play that was Sophie okay. Hannah helped in. I don't know if the first production of this was a school play. I'll trust
1: you. You're the expert. Look, I will say, as someone who has been in the theatre, yes. I did once, in in university, uh, play a part. I won't say what part, because it's doxing, but I played a part... <laughs> in a play that was it was written for a high school audience and it was one of those things where the direct or the the playwright was really excited that we were putting on a a high school play for a university audience. But then of course after everything was said and done everyone was like, why were you playing such a weird character? What was even the point of your play? And I was like, okay. I mean it was fun though. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I suppose before we move on and go hear from Robert Connolly about Force of Nature, I wanted to drag us through a few book recommendations, things that have come out Mm. or are coming out soon. First, I wanted to start you off with Harini Nagendra's Nest of Vipers. It's an Indian murder mystery series following a group of ladies upending patriarchal barriers in a world detailed with Harini's luscious sense for how Flora speaks about the world around it. And uh, I could keep going, lads, but is there any books that you want to bring to the table from the uh, the vast list of crime fiction that we have before us in the world,
1: I mean, I could just shout out the tipping point, or, or sorry, tipping point. Yes. Oh no, I've done <laughs> other taken, uh, By a new which is an excellent time. Uh, it's a really, it's a really great book. It's about a you know mother cop investigating a crime that her own brother is implicated in. And says so a lot of family tension, a lot of high stakes through the rest drama.
0: We'll have that one on the pod pretty soon. Cameron, anything from you?
2: Uh, I'm liking the look of What I Would Do to You by Georgia Harper, a near future Australia. The death penalty is back. Oh, oh no. no. But if the victim's family wants the perpetrator to die, they have to do it themselves. Uh oh. Twenty-four hours alone in a room with the condemned, no cameras, no microphones, just whatever punishment they decide is fits the crime. I think. Why
1: twenty-four hours? Why does it take that long to kill someone? I guess this is just it's literary a fiction for you, thing, yeah, yeah. isn't it? It's a revenge I, drama. I think <laughs> spending terrifying. any
2: amount of time with anyone in a room with microphones is, well, is torture enough. Look, so.
1: mm-hmm. as long as they don't decide at the end of the twenty-four hours to just, you know, not kill them.
2: Yeah,
0: I think uh, we'll wrap this here. We're going to go have a chat to director Robert Connolly uh, with Jonathan Chang in just a second. You're listening to Death of the Reader Undead. Stick around.
5: How could you possibly know?
6: As ever, monsieur, it was the little details, the matters of no consequence that caught the attention of Poirot.
0: Now, in 2021, the film adaptation of Jane Harper's award-winning 2016 debut novel, The Dry, starring Eric Banner and directed by Robert Connolly, raked in $3.5 million at the box office on New Year's Day 2021.
1: This place it as one of the highest-grossing Australian film opening weekends ever, proving homegrown films can compete with the best Hollywood blockbusters on equal footing.
2: The sequel, Force of Nature, The Dry 2. The Dry 2. <laughs> the Dry 2. <laughs> released on the 8th of February, and director Robert Connolly spoke with 2SER's
6: Jonathan Chang. Robert, welcome to 2SER, and congratulations on the release.
5: (laughs) Thanks for chatting to me on the show. (laughs) For for sure.
6: Thanks for your time. The Dry has been perhaps... The single most influential novel in the huge surge of that outback noir genre that it has had on the global stage, bringing its multiple timeline protagonists, returning to somewhere familiar, and so on and so forth. How was the direction of Force of Nature influenced by the broader field that Jane Harper, the novelist, opened the floodgates to?
5: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Landscape, it just, you know, I go back to, you know, being a kid and seeing Peter Weir's films like Picnic at Hanging Rock and, you know, just this great love of the Australian landscape on screen. And I think filming the dry out in the Wimmera and the Mallee and in that incredible landscape that she'd written was, was wonderful. And so for me, it was like, you know, and these books travel the world because people love the landscape. And for me, Force of Nature, it's set in the bush, it's set in the Danong Ranges, the Yarra Valley, Latrobe Valley, down in the Otways, all these places that I love. And I love going bushwalking in. So it was another opportunity to make landscape a character, which is one of the things this genre and the broader genre does really, really well and what the rest of the world love about it.
6: Is that why you reckon regional Australia is more appealing of a setting in the crime fiction, murder mystery genre, comparatively to say the metropolitan like capital cities of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane?
5: That's fascinating um, to... Kind of contemplate, isn't it? Because you know, you think of the urban stories, you know, and on TV. Obviously, we've had the whole underbelly. Yeah, you know, we kind of do urban urban crime pretty pretty well. Um, and but I think when you get outside the cities, landscape has this unique individuality. What I love about what Jane Harper's done is, it it, she gives the character the landscape a character, so it doesn't it doesn't allow you as a filmmaker to make it feel like a tourist video. You know the bush is beautiful in force of nature, but it's also omnipresent. It's overwhelming. It's claustrophobic. Uh, so I think I think you're right. I think once you get outside the city, Australian landscapes are awesome. You know, I filmed um, Blueback over in WA on the Ningaloo Reef. Or it's kind of a gift in my career that I get to travel to these places and then take audiences into them as well.
6: I mean, Alice, the uh, missing hiker in Force of Nature, is famously presented as a very unlikable in the novel by like the drip feed of information we get about her from the broader cast. So how do you feel that the performances of your actors leaned into the building on that complicated tale of morality from the novel?
5: Yeah, it is a complicated tale. It's one of the things I loved about that book was that it, it's kind of about the grey area of crime and policing and... And so it does require the actors to kind of be bold. And, you know, it's not about the likability of characters. It's about the complexity of characters. It's one of the things I love in cinema is watching complex characters kind of interact and not knowing what's going to happen. And, in fact, the shoot was so crazy. There were days on set I had no idea what was going to happen. I would call action and be like, what's, you know, surprise me. And these amazing actors would. And then you put those actors in these incredible locations which are dangerous and beautiful but in heart of winter pouring rain Uh, and it gives like a veracity or something to the film it's like we're looking after years of vfx driven studio films we're looking for more maybe authenticity um so how do we make things that demand to be seen at the cinema like force of nature's shot on big format lenses we've got big actors like eric and anna torv and Lee. You know, we've kind of got big music. Like a, it, It's like um, streaming has thrown down the gauntlet and said, come on, you know, if you want to get people to the movies, you've got to be bigger, you've got to be better, you've got to be more innovative, you've got to be more like a film like Poor Things. You look at it and go, yeah, it's kind of bold, crazy, mad film. Forcing people cinema to through.
6: evolve, so to say.
5: So I think, you know, the the actors really went there, Jonathan. They really were willing to kind of roll up their sleeves and go there, which I would say every single one of them, amazing ensemble cast.
6: It's kind of like an equilibrium and balance of sorts between prep and spontaneity.
5: Yeah, absolutely. People want the spontaneity, but they also want a good story well told. So, and I don't know, with Jane Harper, the plotting, you know, I love that invitation to the audience. Can you work out who the killer is before Eric Banner's Aaron Falk can? So the plotting has to be clever enough that the audience can actually get information quite clearly um, so they can puzzle through it. It's it's like the difference I always think between a film being cryptic or confusing, and I think people love cryptic stories they have to work out, but they don't like being confused. So it's it's a, a really fascinating navigation adapting Jane Harper's work. For it's the especially
6: span. cool to me, especially like given the fact like, hey, maybe the murder has already been introduced to the story. You've already met the person, but you it's the moral ambiguity of everyone is just like. <gasps> You never know who it is who done it.
5: That's right. That's right. I think moral ambiguity. Do you know this idea of you know what is good and evil? What is, you know who the bad guys mm. and the good guys? Like that. The, the days of that type of storytelling are kind of long gone. I think we all accept that the complexity of you know human nature really is what makes crime really fascinating crime stories. You know, and you know, I remember I spent a day researching a TV show. I was in the Petty Court and um down in in melbourne just watching all the cases day after day and i met the magistrate afterwards and he said 99 percent of his career is good people who did something wrong only one percent is truly evil awful people i think that's a fascinating kind of conundrum you know do you want to see the one percent who are truly awful in film or do you want to see the the good people who make mistakes and errors of judgment like we could as human beings and that they're the stories that i love
6: for sure, Robert. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, always great to talk to you.
5: Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Robert Connolly, there, director of *Force of Nature*, *The Dry*, the second, which you can <laughs> catch, you can catch in a cinema near you. Thanks to Jonathan Chang for producing that wonderful interview. You're, You're listening, listening to, to *Death of all the all Reader*, reader undead. undead. Doing your own Danes brother moment there.
0: Yeah, we we're so inspired by what happened in <laughs> Sophie Hannah's uh, <laughs> *The Mystery of Mister E*. But uh, yeah, it's just about time for us to to leave you here on Death of the Reader. It's been a pleasure joining um, you for your Thursday evening. It's
1: wonderful sticking around
2: talking about books and films. Cameron and it's films. Good to finally get you out in front of the mic. Thank you so much for letting me out. Uh, <laughs> I suppose it's time to pack me back in yeah, the Yeah, we've got to pack it up in the box now. So yeah. get
1: ready for the ritual. It's yeah, going to happen. No soon. worries.
2: I'm just going to limber up. You know
0: it's a a Death of the Reader uh, undead show when we have G-Chan in chat calling herds cute the entire time (laughs) while we talk about serious fiction.
1: Shout out to G-Chan for basically being my mother. I'm pretty sure that's who she is in disguise.
0: (laughs) And of course a massive shout out to producer Max from Friday Drive finding us out on the phones on the deck. Helping us out with anything else. If you want to get any more of Australian and international crime fiction. You can catch it up on your murder mystery world tour, Sunday nights at 9pm, replayed here Thursdays at 7.30pm, whenever, of course, we're not doing Death of the Reader Undead. I wanted to give a shout-out before we go, guys, to uh, Michael Burge, friend of the show, shout who's uh, just announced that his next novel, the sequel to his debut, Tankwater, is finally oh. getting the the polish finish Mm-mm. before... Uh, before it gets published super excited for that
1: yeah i'm ready for that well done
0: this is your murder mystery world tour we'll be back sunday night this weekend with uh the concluding episode of who shot mr burns
1: <laughs> love that we're doing that
0: <laughs> talking with abby corson you're listening to sdr 107.3 death of the reader undead your murder mystery world tour is out of here over to you Mick and Berko, on static <laughs>